there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the party. Today is February 22nd. It is a Thursday. This is episode number 563 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And every single day, me, you, DJ Manny, Johnny Five, Triple D, Divine Dream Divine, Carrie, Alpha Sierra, Chris Young, Sebazot, Priceless Pancake, mods like Jesse Johnson, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, DJ Bsec, Jenny Housley, Kimberly Can Fix It, Tim McDonald, Leon Elliott, Folks over on LinkedIn, like Logan Fuller and folks on Sim uh, on Simply Cyber, folks on YouTube, of course, Marcus Kyler and the Yeet crew, we are all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you use this information to drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders, or if you're looking to break into the industry, believe me, you're going to get asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? This right here is a phenomenal answer. Believe that. Also, the networking is mm, chef's kiss. Say hi to Ricardo Garcia or Oscar Naves or Philip Martin with the blue badging. Say what's up to Carrie and Muhammad. And uh, get your networking on, folks. Let me turn the air conditioner on because I am getting a little a little spicy uh, already early in the day. I think the French press is in full effect. If you're coming to us live from the internet, welcome to the party. Some of you may be experiencing network outages on your cell service and had to pivot over to hotspot or wireless. Uh, hopefully uh, you are with us and uh, not impacted in any way by that. Now, every single episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE, so say what's up and grab those CPEs. But before we dig into it, I do want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, y'all? Barricade Cyber Solutions, Eric Taylor, the gang, Casually Joseph, they know exactly how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com and let them catch those threat actors outside. Catch me outside, how about that? Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Cyber. Panopsi Security, get some of this. Get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals. Whether you're doing something short-term like tabletop exercise, enterprise risk assessment, etc., or something more strategic level like information security program gap analysis uh, with you know pro um, program maturity planning involved, Maybe it's just budget season and you're like the board gave you some money and you don't know how to spend it. Go to panopsi.com. Get in touch with Brandon Poole. 
he will definitely be able to help you understand the best way to serve your business as a cyber um, as a cyber leader or as a cyber stakeholder. Absolutely huge fan of Panopsi Security. Also, full disclosure, I sit on the board. It is an unpaid position, but I believe in what they do. Uh, and I like Brandon Poole that much that I agreed to a, um, a, uh, a board position. Of course, we've got Anti-Siphon training more about them at the mid-roll as they are always out there crushing it, doing amazing things. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, as a reminder, I do not prepare or research any of the stories that we're going to cover in today's show. So you're getting my rough, rugged, raw initial thoughts on all of these things. Uh, so definitely look forward to that. If it is your first... Um, so Chris Cahill, I don't know if you're being funny or not, but Chris Cahill says, who doesn't know how to spend money? Um, I'll tell you what, you know, it, it does seem kind of silly to say like, uh, you know, here's some money for your budget, um, go spend it and not in wanting to hire someone like a Panopsi to help you do that. But here's the deal. When you get money, you typically have to show return on investment for that money. So if you get money and you buy a security technology that has duplicative uh, controls to what you've already got in the environment, or you, you, you know, piss the money away. Uh, when you go from budget next year, the board's like, what did you spend all the money we gave you? And you're like, oh, I spent it on, um, you know, I don't know, cool LED lights for my office. And they're like, you're an idiot. Like, we're not going to give you more money. So you've got to be careful. Getting money is awesome. But um, then there comes a level of uh, obligation on being able to uh, drive cyber risk reduction down with that money. It's kind of bananas. All right. Uh, if it is your first time here in the show, hashtag first timer in chat, drop a hashtag first timer in chat. We love welcoming our newcomers, our first timers. Episode 563, many of you are hashtag long timers, but we always get a new first timer, at least one or two a day. And uh, I personally love welcoming the first timers. We got a special emote for you first timers and a special sound effect. So get up on that. Remember, each episode worth half a CP. So grab a screenshot, file it off onto your desktop folder. And uh, once a year, grab it up. Yes, so Zach Choate says his phone is SOS. Um, AT&T, here, let's just do a real time, uh, just a real time. Um, real time, uh, this, this is happening in real time right now. CNBC uh, is reporting it. I saw an actual graph. It's not nationwide. It is several places in the nation, but um, where's the one that I saw earlier? Basically, it's um, it's like Houston, Dallas. Uh, we're not going to see it here. Down detector. It's Houston, Dallas, New Orleans, Atlanta, Charleston. Well, not Charleston, but like um, the the eastern South Carolina. Uh, basically. So that's it. I did not see this is how the world ends or this is how the leave the world behind, but I'm seeing a lot of memes on social media regarding that. So um, if that's what you're up to, get on that. All right, guys, it is Thursday, which means I've got to um, go teach at the Citadel, but don't sweat that. The jawjacking will continue. You guys uh, chat squad members, you demanded it. Uh, jawjacking five days a week and the mods came to the rescue. Eric Taylor does jawjacking on Tuesdays and our very own DJ BSEC does jawjacking on Thursdays. So stay tuned for that. Obviously it is Thursday. So it's Dan Reardon's what's your meme. So stay tuned for that at the mid roll. And right before we get into it, I do want to say what's up to Anitha over on LinkedIn. Hashtag first timer. Welcome 
and flatten now. Second show, judges, we're going to let it go. Welcome back to the party, pal. Flatten now. Uh, let's get you those emotes. And uh, yeah, definitely some mod love. Thank you, mods, uh, for making the show as rich and robust as it can. Now, do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news Fancy! wash over us in an awesome wave. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for All Thursday, right. February it's Lauren 22nd, Verno. Let's go. 2024. I'm Lauren Verno. Lockbit gang doesn't keep its word. The saga of the Lockbit takedown continues with new details emerging that highlight the bad guys are as bad as we imagined. Earlier this week, we reported that two operators of the Lockbit ransomware gang were arrested in Poland and Ukraine in an operation dubbed Operation Kronos. Law enforcement now reveals that the ransomware group retained victims' data even after receiving ransom payments and promising victims they would delete the information. Shocking. The bad guys didn't do what they said they would do. Now, according to the record, Lockbit's extortion note promised victims that their information would be deleted upon payment, stating, quote, if we do not delete your data after payment, then nobody will pay us in the future, end quote. This revelation underscores officials' reminders that cyber criminals should not be trusted. Oh, there's a pause in there. Yes, Lauren Verno got my, got my email. All right, so check it out, guys. Like, like Eric Taylor said and Hemo Glockman said, hashtag shocker. Oh, amazing. Imagine this. Criminals not keeping their word. Now, obviously, um, they are going to tell you like this, this, this holds water, right? Like, oh, like, why would we not delete your data? No one will pay us afterwards. But dude, they don't send you like a notarized, you know, affidavit saying that, yes, they have in fact signed, uh, deleted your data. They don't sign a contract that you can hold them accountable with. They're freaking criminals. They steal your data and they're hoarding it. Guys, hard drives are cheap, right? So like, why would they not? Um, why would they not keep the data, right? It's easy to tell you it's been deleted, but dude, data, hello, 2024, data's gold, data's oil. Like there's tons of value in that data. Now they may not publicly leak it or, um, you know, um, release it, but dude, there's massive amounts of data in there that they can mine. Like if I was a cyber criminal, not that this is threatactoracademy.com, but like if I was a cyber criminal, Bro, I would take all that data and dump it into like Google Gemini or one of those things and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a business. Here's all my personal data. What things should I be worried about that's in this data? What sensitive things should I protect? Like basically lying to the AI that you're actually, it's your data and you're trying to um, protect it. That way the AI will do all the mining for you and find all the juicy bits and then you can weaponize it. Shall we play and, and basically no one's going to know where you got the information from. Uh, a lot of these victims don't come forward and publicly declare that they've actually suffered a breach. Um, so anyways, I, the one thing I do love, um, I, personally, like I'm the, uh, Michael, J hold on. I gotta, I gotta, this is me right now. Uh, popcorn. Let me see the popcorn. Okay. Yes. Here we go. This is me. This is me in the front row of 
this lock bit takedown. I am, it's delicious. I'm loving it. Law enforcement coming at you hard. Law enforcement coming after you, dismantling your infrastructure, taking out huge, huge bounties like it's the Wild West and you're Billy the Kid. Huge bounties on anything leading to your arrest and capture. Dude, this is like, um, if you want to take it back to the, the early 90s, like um, America's Most Wanted, that that show. I forget what the guy's name was, uh, but like the steely voice guy who was like, you know, they'd always do updates like your calls, your tips led to the arrest of such and such. Yes. Like it was like it was like the original reality TV. Anyways, I love it. And just lockbit splintering all over the place. This is definitely going to uh, put a chink in their armor, if you will. I will say this. If lockbit does manage to manifest itself back into a threat actor, if, if law enforcement is unable to catch them, um, this this story is you know, it's bad for publicity, but in reality, um, if they say, if a criminal says, Hey, pay and we'll delete your data. And a victim says, why would I think you'd delete my data? Look at this story from, um, you know, look at this story that says you don't delete data. And they could say, Oh, that was the old way. Like we do delete data. And like, what are you going to do? They can't, you're never going to be able to like hold them accountable. So I don't think, I mean, this sucks, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not, uh, debilitating for them. I do love this too. Oh, this is so good. Like this is, this is absolute pants off. Good. Check this out. We know where they, who they are and how they operate. We know who they are. Oh yes. You can't hide behind the keyboard. You're not some faceless, you know, you know, in the interwebs ghost in the wire. Like you, they know who you are and they're coming for you, pal. Like, dude, I love it. Like you hear the footsteps. That's law enforcement. And dude, I'm telling you, when they get the uh, masterminds behind Lockbit, oh, it's going to be, it's not going to be good for them. They are definitely going to be um, brought to justice in a way that is unprecedented. I love it. All right. The Lockbit bounty. Yes. Information that helps identify members or associates oh. of the Lockbit ransomware gang could earn you a reward of up to $15 million. The U.S. State Department has announced a $10 million reward for details leading to the discovery or identification of a Lockbit leadership member, with an additional $5 million for tips on any ransomware affiliates. A small price, though, compared to the over $144 million taken by the ransomware group from more than 2,000 victims. That's reported by a U.S. State Department spokesperson. If you do have any information on the identity or whereabouts of a Lockbit member, additional details about how to report this information can be found in the blog post of this episode on CISOseries.com. Great cash, homie. Yes, yes. Keep, dude, jack it up. Jack it up. Let's go. Dude, let's turn this into a TV reality show in the United States, right? Like the search for Lockbit and just like treat it like a, um, almost like the lottery, right? Like, Ah, uh, 15 million. Let's bump it, you know, next week to 20 million. The week after 25 million. Let's go. Powerball, except it's lockbit bounties. I I like I said, guys, like there's no question that this is an absolute priority for the United States federal law enforcement. I'm sure other um law enforcement entities worldwide, Dutch Europe, you know, Dutch po uh, police for some reason they're always in the mix. Uh Europol, Interpol. Ah, uh, 
It's so good. Like I was kind of struggling this morning a little bit. I was hoping the coffee would kick me uh, into high gear. This is kicking me into high gear. I'm telling you, I love it. I need, you know, those, um, this is so ridiculously specific, but do you know those, uh, like those gray shirts that, um, military, uh, will issue, right? Like it, it was kind of big in the nineties. I, I don't know if you guys remember that, but like, it'll be like gray kind of, uh, gym fatigue looking color. And it'll just say Marines or it'll just say army. And it looks like a standard issue physical education department, um, branded with that. I want one that, that like says like Interpol or like, I, I think I want one that says Interpol. Like it's so delicious. Like, I don't know why I'm so into this right now, but like, Yes, like sign me up. I want to hit the bell for notifications on all Lockbit stuff. I'm all in. I, I really hope. Like to me, here's the thing. Lockbit has been like ravaging, ravaging um, businesses worldwide, right? They're like, if you remember another kind of deep cut, um, if you remember, um, oh my God. Oh my God, what's the show? Firefly. If you remember Firefly, which is a pretty deep cut cult cult uh, following. Uh, if you remember Firefly and the Ravagers, that's what Lockbit is. They've just been devastating businesses of any size, up and down, left and right, foreign, domestic. It, they don't care. They're just devastating. And for me, this has hit not just a critical mass, but, but like momentum. This isn't a small win for international law enforcement. This is a massive win and they've got momentum and they are leaning heavily into this. They are spending lots of resources, lots of money, obviously lots of time, energy, and effort, and they're going for it. Um, so I love it. I love it. Like just, I, I, I'm, I'm expecting in the next couple of weeks, even more to come out of this. Okay. The only thing I could think of is Lockbit goes underground and they hide in Eastern Europe, uh, like under a Russian banner of sorts. And, um, there they go. Oh yeah. Look at this. Jesse Johnson with the assist. Look at this. This is what I'm talking about. Except I, this is like a dark gray. I want like the, the light Heath, uh, cotton gray or whatever. If you know what I'm talking about. Anyways. I, I did. I proudly wore Marines one when I was in high school. 96. <laughs> White House tackles U.S. maritime threats. <clears throat> the Department of Transportation and the White House released two separate initiatives aimed at bolstering the protection of the U.S. maritime industry from cyber threats on Wednesday. According to InfoSecurity magazine, the president issued an executive order which gives new powers to the Department of Homeland Security to directly address maritime threats by developing new standards for U.S. ports' networks and systems. The order will also require all cyber incidents or threats to harbors, vessels, ports, or other waterfront facilities to be reported. Meanwhile, the DOT issued a warning on Wednesday about the threats of Chinese vendors to the U.S. port infrastructure. iMessage upgrade. Ah, uh, Lauren, yeah, come on, take a uh, breathe. All right. Um, so Department of Homeland Security is getting some updated authorities uh, addressing cyber threats. Um, I haven't read this executive order. I do believe um, DJ BSEC later today. So stay tuned for jawjacking because I believe... DJ BSEC, who does work in this space, is going to be covering this executive order in a bit deeper detail. So um, that look forward to that. That's going to be awesome. DHS gets it. U.S. Coast Guard has expressed authority to require vessels and facilities to mitigate cyber conditions. We'll see. We'll see what that does. Um, 
don't don't sleep on the U.S. Coast Guard. They protect the borders, um, especially the maritime borders, right? Um, I just don't understand. Like when we think about um, when you think about cyber threats to maritime and supply chain, to me, it's much more around the logistics and coordination than it is about like the boat pulling into a port. Now, I might be over over uh, simplifying this. But to me, if you're thinking about supply chain, if you're thinking about uh, cyber uh, threats and stuff, to me, it's more like what are in the cargo containers? Are they legitimate? Where do they come from? What does a hack look like? We did see, um, to me, the, the real interesting attack is more of a denial of service attack. Uh, famously, as an example, we saw NotPetya, which was an attack from Russia on Ukraine um, several years ago. I think it was 2016. 2019, 2018, 2019, the NotPetya attack. But anyways, uh, part of the impact of that was Maersk, which is a Nash, uh, excuse me, a massive international transportation um, like uh, business. They got hit so bad and their ADs got brought down all over the place, like everywhere in the world. That's actually a fascinating story, except I think they had one DC uh, one domain controller in Ghana, which just happened to be offline because the internet was dodgy there. And they were able to rebuild their whole uh, AD infrastructure using that one server. But but the point is um, that the impact was huge to the tune of $4 billion, by the way. They ended up suing Zurich International for cyber insurance because uh, Zurich didn't want to pay because they said it was an act of uh, war. But here's the deal. Think through the impact here, okay? So you hit and knock out the infrastructure for logistics and coordination. So now boats pull up full of cargo containers. What's in the cargo containers? I don't know. Are you going to open every single one and look at it? Maybe that takes a lot of time, a lot of energy. Well, let's take the cargo containers off of the boat and stack them in the, in the uh, shipyard. Where do you stack them? Do you stack, what order do you stack them in? What, what ones go on? What trucks, what trucks are driving to what cities to deliver said goods? Who's driving the trucks? Who's authorized to open it up? Has has um, the Coast Guard inspected this container or that container, right? Like it, it quickly, quickly devolves into a hot mess express. By the way, that doesn't even take into account some of the things in the containers are perishable. Some of them are pharmaceuticals. Some of them are food, right? So it really gets bad really quickly. Um, yeah, so DJ Bisek is saying during COVID, uh, the port of LA got backed up and there were 200 ships just sitting out in the harbor because they couldn't, it's it's like it's like if you've ever traveled to a foreign country and you have to go through immigration and if immigration's a hot mess express, you can't go anywhere. You can't be like, I'll come back later. Like, you're stuck. Same thing here. So there is a real concern with maritime cybersecurity Um you know, I'll be interested to hear BSEC's uh, deeper dive on this simply because I think there's larger areas of concern and focus like um, energy for a second um, that that might benefit from this. But hey, you know, like I, I appreciate it. Um, let's go. Withstand decryption. Apple has announced an addition of a new security layer to iMessages integrating post-quantum cryptography to bolster defenses against potential future threats posed by quantum computing. In simpler terms, according to TechCrunch, 
current messaging apps, including iMessage, rely on encryption through a combination of public and private keys. The public key encrypts messages sent, while the private key is utilized by the recipient to decrypt them. Now, hackers can decrypt messages by exploiting the strength of technology used in today's cryptographic ciphers. Apple indicates that the evolution of quantum computing could create vulnerabilities in the future, but that these upgrades are Apple's proactive approach at stopping the problem. All right. All right. So here we go. Apple. Um, I will say this. Okay. So Apple identifies itself as a hardware uh, business, hardware manufacturer. They champion and laud um, that they are uh, privacy focused and consumer uh, driven. And they've done they've done several things in the past, even post Steve Jobs. Like Tim Cook's been pretty good. Uh, Apple famously refused to install a magic backdoor that the FBI could you know access whenever they wanted um, for law enforcement purposes. They pushed back on that, saying it was like a you know a very slippery slope and you know um, one that you can't undo. So Apple, you know, kind of on brand is getting iMessage ready for quantum computers. All right, cool. Um, NIST is already working on this with uh, in quantum computer. Um, oh my God, quantum computer resistant uh, encryption algorithms. Um, guys, quantum computers, like we had Gary Bender on the show a while ago. Um, quantum computers are not just a bigger, faster, stronger computer. They're an entire different paradigm of how a computer could work. Like, I, like I mistakenly thought it was just like, oh, we're going from binary to trinary because you can have a zero one or a zero one. Of course, it's going to be faster. That is not the case. That is like absolutely um, like a a foolish um, way to think about quantum computers. Quantum computers, it's more about the computer being in a quantum state where it can be everywhere all at once. Um, it's it's basically like the multiverse-ish Um so anyways, it hurts my brain even to think about how quantum computers work. I'm glad there's wicked smart people working on it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. No one, like with all due respect, no one was asking for this. This isn't going to change Apple's, um, you know, like no one's like, oh, hell, I'm dropping Android, baby. I'm going all Apple now because this quantum computer iMessage thing. You know, even with iMessage, a lot of people use other messaging apps like Telegram and, and um WhatsApp and Snapchat and all that. So no one asked for this. Way to go, though. Um, I, I, I'm sure Apple's going to bake this in uh, to other technologies like their uh, Mac OS and all these other things. Uh, I feel like once you kind of like figure out how to um, how to implement it, then you can kind of like rinse and repeat over other places, which will be valuable, especially I could see Apple using this as a marketing ploy, like when quantum computers kind of become full-time uh, or at least a little bit more accessible, uh, promoting that they're the only ones who can um, have secure messaging. So we'll see how that goes. By the way, real quick, just a fun fact. Um, another thing about quantum computers, I, I'm only sharing this because it was another like mistake that I had made that I, I want other people to understand. One of the problems they have with quantum computers right now is that... Um, they can't they can't get it cooled down enough okay like the cooling problem is the problem they've got the they've got the technology and the architecture figured out it's a cooling problem here's the deal i thought it was a cooling problem 
because I thought, and this is a, a little bit of more you know. Hey, Stacy Loki's in the house. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, Stacy Loki. All right, so here's the thing. Uh, quantum computers, uh, when they say it's a cooling problem, it's not because they overheat because they're working wicked hard and wicked fast. Like I thought that was the problem. I was like, oh my God, these quantum computers, they're going, uh, they're going like, uh, you know, just they're bum rushing everything. Like, of course they're hot. That's not the case. The reality is for a quantum computer to work correctly, you have to get it so freaking cold that the atoms aren't moving because they need to know exactly where the atoms are in or the quarks, like in the current state they're set at. So it's it's more about freezing it to a point where you can control the, the, the state of the quarks, not because it's overheating. All right. So that's what's up. All right. Anyways, yes. Uh, Sweet Delights is uh, sorry to dox you, Stacey, but uh, it's good to see you. A big fan. Stacy's been on the show multiple times. If you're interested in learning more about SOC Analyst, uh, go check out uh, Stacy's content and the videos on the channel. Um, great to see her. All right, let's keep going for the mid-roll. And now a word from our sponsor, Conveyor. Happy Thursday. Are you tired of us talking about how Conveyor's AI can now autofill OneTrust security questionnaires in one click? Well, we'll stop talking about it if you come talk to them. Ready to give the market-leading AI for security questionnaires a spin? Try a free proof of concept by booking a demo now at www.conveyor.com. And mention this podcast for five free questionnaire credits when you purchase an enterprise plan. <laughs> okay, get five credits when you purchase an enterprise plan. What's the enterprise plan run? All right, um, guess what, guys? Hey, 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 hey. All right, guys, Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. This is the mid-roll. I want to say shout-out to all of you. You guys are all amazing. Thank you so much for being here. If you're getting value from the show, whether it's entertainment value, educational value, a little bit of column A, column B, do me a favor. Go If you're on YouTube, hit the like button right now. Scroll down, move the mouse, whatever you got to do. It only takes a second, okay? It only takes a second, but the reason I'm asking you to do it is because if enough of you do it, right? Most of you are watching cyber content on the regular. If you hit the like button, it'll trigger the YouTube algorithm to tell other people who look for cyber content about the show, which is how we grow the community, which is how we get first timers every day, right? And I love dropping the, um, I love dropping the, um, the hashtag first timer, uh, sound effects. So go do that. Hey, if, uh, thanks to the stream sponsors, barricade cyber and Panopsi security, and also anti-siphon training guys, anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional training industry by, uh, providing high quality cutting edge education to everyone regardless of their financial position. They offer their students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and engage with our community and their community. There's a lot of overlap in a fun and inclusive way. Go to antisiphontraining.com. Links in the description below. And um, check out their content. Like, you can take their training. Many of their trainings for free. All right, guys. we got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Boom, baby. Check it out. We got a really, really solid one. Uh, for you. Listen, if you would like to blow up your professional network in a meaningful way, listen up. 
Simple. It's very simple. Go on LinkedIn and search for the hashtag shown in the screen. Hashtag simply cyber community challenge. Once you find that, you'll see a bunch of posts like Anthony Vorci or Vorches. Anthony Vorches or Vorci, Vorci, Vors. Anthony's post on LinkedIn. I saw it. I commented. I amplified it. I reshared it. Build your professional network. Here's the deal. Connect with the people posting, comment on their post, and then connect with the people in the comments. So that's an active effort. Five minutes a day. But everybody else that comes after you is going to connect with you because you're in the comments. You will passively build your professional network. It is so worth it. Everybody that has done it will tell you how valuable it is. So like I can't I, I can all I can do is enable this. I can't force you to build your professional network. I can set the Simply Cyber Community Challenge up. I can tell you about it. And I, I you know, but you have to take the steps to build it yourself. Now, if Anthony is in chat, we need someone to take the baton. Someone needs to be the one who shares their story today. Anthony, if Anthony's in chat, let me see if Anthony's in chat. Anthony, I don't know if this is the right Anthony. Um, but basically we, if you want the baton, say you'd like the baton, share your story and be the baton holder. All you got to do is share your story and add the, uh, hashtag simply cyber community challenge and tag me. And we'll take it from there. My friend. Now, every single day of the week is a special day. And Thursday is what's your meme Thursdays. So as we go into the la 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 la's, let me show you this week's meme of the week. It's Eric Taylor, AKA the ringleader. Eric guest hosted on Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief yesterday. He always starts with ladies and gentlemen. So he is the top hat wearing circus ringleader. Eric Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, thank you to Dan Reardon, AKA Haircut Fish for always providing the hot memes every single Thursday. Let's get back to the news, shall we? Wi-Fi software vulnerabilities threaten Android, Linux, Chrome OS devices. Cybersecurity researchers have discovered two authentication bypass flaws in open source Wi-Fi software <laughs> that affects Android, Linux, and Chrome OS devices. Now, according to the Hacker News, the flaw exposes users to the risk of unknowingly connecting to a malicious network or allows an attacker to join a trusted network without requiring passwords. The specific vulnerabilities are being tracked and are noted in our blog post for this episode. Major Linux distributions in Chrome OS have issued updates to address the flaws. Meanwhile, Android users are urged to manually configure CA certifications for enterprise networks as a preventive measure. Volt Schemer. Oh my God, Lauren. All right, so uh, here's the dealio. Um, great bit of research. Nice job. They got a little POC video. Um, POC is proof of concept. I do love it when researchers do that. So not only do they, um, you know, research and then publicly disclose the vulnerability after working with the vendor, but then they have a nice little video to accompany it to make it, um, to make it look good. Um, so check it out. Here's the deal. As a practitioner, if you're running Chrome OS in your environment, maybe some small businesses are doing it. Um, if you're running Android, you are vulnerable to this uh, attack potentially. Uh, you should absolutely update your Chrome OS. You should absolutely update your Android OS. Now, 
there's two things I want to tell you. Um, one specifically about this uh, attack. Basically, they can do an authentication bypass by um, tricking you into connecting to a malicious clone of a trusted network. This attack, this attack is like um, not a new innovative concept. Yes, it is an exploit of a new vulnerability, and I'm taking nothing away from those security researchers. But the idea of setting up a malicious access point and making it look like a trusted network that has been around since like the the early aughts. Okay, uh, to use that term, I think I'm using it correctly. Here's the deal: most people go to Starbucks, right? Or I shouldn't say most people, but like many people have gone to Starbucks. Starbucks wireless network says Starbucks, right? So when you go to a different Starbucks, whoa, I'm, I'm magically connected. How convenient. A lot of people have Linksys routers or they used to. So when you, um, in the, the default wireless access point, or excuse me, the, the, the default SSID is Linksys. Same with AT&T hotspots, right? AT&T thinks they're so clever by like, monopolizing everyone's uh, AT&T network to have hotspots for other people walking by your house. Okay. The deal is if I'm a jerk, I could set up a malicious access point and name it Linksys and you're automatically going to connect to it. I can name it Starbucks or Charleston Wi-Fi, airport Wi-Fi or Dallas DFW Wi-Fi, right? Like these techniques have been around forever. And this sounds like a very similar uh, technique. So just be mindful of that. That's why you should uh, always change your SSID to something that's unique to you. Secondly, you should be mindful of auto connecting to public uh, networks or really even private networks because like the Linksys thing. Finally, the thing I do want to tell you about this, and this, this is unfortunate, but this is the price you pay for being an Android user. <clears throat> I haven't said this in a while, but here's the deal. You need to update. You got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. Okay, you got to patch it. Now, here's the deal. This is a more you know kind of thing. Here we go. Where's my more you know? Here's my more you know. Here's a more you know uh, little gather around the campfire, kids. <clears throat> Android operating system. Very, very uh, powerful. Very awesome. But it can be forked, right? So if you fork your Android OS, meaning you you take the operating system and you make it kind of special for you. A lot of vendors do this. Samsung, Amazon, LG, right? They take the Android operating system and they put it on their devices and then they add an additional stack of software to it. Not a big deal, okay? But the thing is when Android releases an update to fix a security problem like this, it is possible that it will break the extra stack of software that Samsung and LG put on it, right? So if you go with like Google Pixel, Google keeps their Android operating system clean and backward compatible. So you know for a fact you can apply the patch. LG and Samsung, they're massive companies and they have staff and resources committed to making sure that backwards compatibility works when Android releases operating system updates. Now, let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's say you've purchased a $25 burner phone or you bought some tablet off of the internet for like eight bucks, right? And you're like, oh man, this tablet's great. It runs Android. Oh, it's awesome. Here's the problem. You may have noticed you're unable to upgrade the operating system, right? Maybe you're running, you're like back on KitKat or Marshmallow or Jelly Bean or whatever it is, right? And you can't upgrade the operating system. It is because 
the vendor of that piece of product hasn't like there might be other reasons, but like a main cause of it is that they haven't taken the time to enforce backwards compatibility with the update and they don't have the money or the resources because they're offering products at a very, very low rate that they don't have revenue to invest in developers to backwards compatible the Android operating system. All that, the impact, all of that is to simply say, you will not be able to fix this if you're running some kind of dodgy Android device because of that reason, okay? So just be mindful, all right? And and like as a pro tip, I'm not endorsed or sponsored or affiliated with Google. If they would like to get on board with the Simply Cyber Train, I would love that, obviously. But dude, if I was gonna own an Android device, there's no question I would own a Google branded one. I guess, I think Google Pixel is the one that they do. I would not deviate from a Google um based hardware device that's going to run Android for this reason alone. Okay, let's keep going. Attack exposes flaws in wireless chargers, blowing up key fobs and manipulating a smartphone's voice assistant with a wireless charger, a sentence I never imagined piecing together. But researchers at the University of Florida in Certica say it's possible. The researchers say they've discovered a new set of attacks called Volt Schemer that can inject voice commands to manipulate a smartphone's voice assistant through the magnetic field emitted by an off-the-shelf wireless charger. Now, that's according to Bleeping Computer. The research shows that the attack uses electromagnetic interference to manipulate the charger's behavior, which can heat a device close to the charge to over 536 degrees Fahrenheit. For perspective, those temperatures are high enough to cause the battery of a key fob to explode. We know this because researchers actually tested it. Those researchers say the purpose of the experiment was to highlight security gaps to vendors and to remove the risk of a Volt Schemer attack. Immediate. All right. All right. Uh, okay, so this is clearly academic research. Um, you know, good on them. Way to go. Um, but I mean, come on, like, so here's the deal. Basically they're able, if you've used these wireless chargers, they're incredibly convenient. I love them. Frankly, I think they're cool. They're coming built into cars now automatically. Um, and these university of Florida researchers basically discovered a way to manipulate kind of the magnetic field that it's using to charge in order to heat the phone up and basically like literally cook it, like, like heat it up to the point where it melts. Now they said blow up a, um, a key fob. I'm a little confused what the key fob has to do with it. Cause you're not sticking a key fob on a wireless charger. You're putting a phone on a wireless charger. So if you're frying the phone using, you know, Siri or whatever on, you know, the commands to heat it up, then whatever to me, the heat up part is coming from the charging piece of it. Obviously it's not, it's not like there's some magic command I can tell my um, my Siri device to. Uh, I'm like, okay, Google, cook yourself, you know, or like, hey Siri, can you blow up? Uh, can you blow yourself up? Um, so, you know, whatever. Um, we'll we'll see. I don't really see the the reality and the practical use case of this, right? Like, typically, at least on my iPhone, if I leave it on my dashboard. At a certain point, it'll notify me 
like, hey, the phone's too hot. It's 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 like shutting itself off right now because it's so hot. I think that that mechanism would kick in, uh, obviously, and visually uh, indicate to me that the phone has uh, got a problem. You know, so this is it, this is pure. You know, this is interesting and it's true, but I don't really see this as like something you need to, you know, recall all the um, wireless chargers in your office and and like send an announcement out to your executive team that like effective immediately we're, we're using USB devices only or you know what I mean? So anyways. Patching needed for ConnectWise users. ConnectWise, a provider of remote access software, is urging users to promptly update the self-hosted version of its Screen Connect product due to critical vulnerabilities. The most severe bug identified received a common vulnerability scoring system, a score of 10, the highest possible rating. According to ConnectWise, the cloud-based versions of the software have been patched, but organizations using on-prem versions should update immediately to prevent the possibility of remote code execution. TechCrunch reports that although ConnectWise initially stated there was no evidence of public exploitation, the company has since confirmed compromised accounts and identified three IP addresses recently used by threat actors. ConnectWise added that 80% of their customer environments are cloud-based and were patched automatically within 48 hours. Nearly one. All right. So IT management software ConnectWise is urging users to update self-hosted versions of its Screen Connect product immediately. I would um, strongly encourage this. Like if you are running Screen Connect, Excuse me. If you're running Screen Connect, you absolutely need to stop, stop the stream. Ah, oh, you gotta patch it. And we gotta patch it. All right. Now I don't know. I've never used Screen Connect, so I don't know how uh, robust it is or how enterprise grade it is. But what I will say is, um, it is possible that you have individuals in your environment, like Carl. Oh! Carl just being a um, a normal end user avatar. You could have people in your environment who set up their own Screen Connect instance because they want to be able to remote from home or because they, they've worked out a um, you know return to office a couple days a week and they want to be able on the days that they're at home to remote into their desktop workstation there at the office, right? So you can get a lot of shadow IT, aka unmanaged infrastructure set up. So uh, I would definitely obviously patch this if you're running it, but also do a, a scan of your environment and look for this technology. Also, you might even want to, um, I mean, it depends on, it depends on what you find, but I could envision a, um, an email company wide saying, Hey, just really quickly, if anyone is running screen connect either here at work or personally be mindful of this, this is pretty gross. Um, so that's that's what you need to do from a practitioner perspective. You can see here, it's trivially easy and embarrassingly easy to exploit, says Huntress. Now, Huntress, um, John Hammond works at Huntress. You may, like John Hammond's like a household name, basically. But John Hammond uh, stayed up late, I think on Tuesday night, and um, did this research. He actually posted on Twitter, like, dude, you really got to get this thing um, patched. It's pretty gross. So if you're looking, you can see uh, John has basically been doing a lot of work the last couple uh, weeks, uh, excuse me, last couple days on this. 
Um, he's got a whole video on it. Okay. So let me, let me share this Twitter account, John Hammond, and just know that if here's my thing, like if Gossy the dog, AKA Kevin Beaumont says that this is a hot mess, you got to fix it. If John Hammond is saying it's a hot mess, you got to fix it. Like those are two individuals in the industry that I look to. And if they say, um, fix it immediately, then I don't even question it. It is a fact and one that I will take uh, very, very seriously. So definitely get up on this one. This one reminds me a little bit of, um, just to put it in perspective, this reminds me a little bit of Klopp ransomware's attack of the Move It software um, earlier, uh, what was it, like last fall maybe, um, where they got thousands of companies compromised. This one kind of has vibes of that. It's not being actively uh, exploited wholesale by threat actors that I know of, but they're saying it's embarrassingly easy to execute and it will give you access. Obviously it's a, it's, it's a remote, it's a remote access solution by default. So it's got all that capabilities for persistence and all that. So I could see this turning into kind of a move it clop ransomware type attack in the next couple of weeks. So that's why it's very serious and why you need to take action. 100,000 impacted by school district ransomware attack. A D.C. area school district reported nearly 100,000 people were impacted by a ransomware attack before classes resumed last fall. Prince George's County Public School says the information stolen varied from names and financial account information to social security numbers. Although the school district did not identify any specific ransomware group as being behind the attack, it stated that the Reseda ransomware gang posted the stolen data on its leech site. We're seeing. All right, we don't know who it was, but Reseda ransomware posted the data. I'm just going to take a, 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 a swag here, which is an acronym, and uh, say it was the Reseda ransomware gang. Uh, Reseda quickly moving up the charts. Um, as a, you know, I would put them as a tier two ransomware threat actor, but they are quickly moving up the charts uh, towards tier one. Um, they, they're another one of these indiscriminate ransomware gangs that will hit anything. Uh, I think they hit um, like, you know, this is like a, a DC area school district, right? Um, K through 12 schools, uh, notoriously poor information security. Uh, sometimes they don't even have it. They'll just have like one IT person who's responsible for everything. Um, I think, um, um, I think Hyundai Europe, uh, got hit. Let me see. Hyundai Europe got hit uh, a couple weeks ago, February 10th by, oh, that was black Basta. So, okay. Anyways, basically it sucks. This sucks for, um, these hundred thousand likely like children and employees of the higher ed, uh, or excuse me, of the, uh, educational system. But this is basically... <laughs> Like this is a Thursday. What like welcome to modern information security realities. A hundred thousand people, like not like that's actually kind of low. Not bad. We're not in the millions. Um, we'll see what Reseda wants. These schools aren't gonna likely have the funds to pay a ransom. So, and again, you know, this is social security numbers, financial account information, etc. So you could expect the impact to not really be on the school district specifically, but more on the, the children and the employees of the school district um, who would then be you know targeted for identity theft, spear phishing, tax fraud, you know, et cetera. 
Um, again, you got to remember when these threat actors like Reseda or Black Basta or whatever, they're indiscriminate in their targeted victim pool. They literally, it's like, it's like, um, think of like, um, a crab fisherman, right? They throw out a bunch of, uh, crab pots and they've got the buoys everywhere. And maybe they catch a bunch of crabs. Maybe they catch a turtle. Maybe they catch a, a tire. Like they don't know what they're going to get. They just throw out the pots and, you know, basically see what happens. Threat actors like this, they throw out phishing emails. They throw out malvertising landing pages and websites and crap. And whatever unfortunate individual stumbles into the trap, like the, the receipt ransomware comes walking up into the woods, like looks at what they got in their little bear trap and says, okay, like let's go. So. Um, even though this is a school district, they're still going to follow their SOP of exploiting the victim pool in order to get paid because that's what they're in for. Great cash, Increasing risk when it comes to organizations holding data. It's not. All right. Hold on. That's going to do it for uh, the news. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Real quick. Remember, we've got jaw jacking coming up with our very own DJ BSEC. Um, love it. Uh, that's going to do it for the news. Before you roll out, though, I want everybody to know that um, today is Thursday, February 22nd, which means two great things to share with you. One, later today at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, I hope you can join us as with Sandra. Uh, Sandra Liu, she's a uh, content creator, cyber tech lifestyle blogger. Uh, she's a really, really nice person, and uh, she's going to be my guest. On. We're going to do a fireside chat talk about travel, talk about work-life balance. Um, well, wherever the chat goes, uh, it, you know, these live fireside chats, I let uh, you guys, the community, the Simply Cyber community, drive the conversation and drill into like the things that are interesting to you. I just, if you've, if you've talked to her or you've seen her content, you know how great she is. So I'm super pumped. Come back at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time to uh, see that interview. And then also tonight at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, our very own, uh, where is it, um, Jesse? Hold on one second. Uh, I don't see it coming up as a scheduled event, but basically um, every single Thursday, Jesse Johnson drives the Slay Security Plus live streams at 7.30 p.m. tonight. So uh, come hang out. If you're studying for Security Plus or you're looking to break into the industry and you're looking for a community to kind of like study with and, and work with, then uh, this is definitely for you. You can see DJ BSEC was a guest speaker at Slay Security Plus just last month, who's going to be our jawjacking guy today. All right, guys, um, that's going to do it for me. Let me pivot over to our very own DJ BSEC. Give me a second here. There we go. Let's tune this music out. And let's bring our very own DJ BSEC in for the handoff. What's up, BSEC? How you doing, man? We are on mute, DJ BSEC. The audio file gods are not going to be happy about that. All right. We've, we've got him working on that right now. Can you hear me now? We can hear oh, you, you now. Yeah, you hear me because I... Okay. I'm using, I was using OBS, so I was thinking my mic was just going through and I had everything else going through another spot, but we're good. Oh, all right. Very cool. So um, what can people expect from the next half hour of Jawjack and b So we're going to start off talking about uh, the transportation and the, the executive order. We'll look at that, uh, kind of break that down a little bit, break down what's actually going to be going on in the industry over the next five years. And then from that point, um, 
I've saw a couple of things pop in about the AT&T outage, so we'll we'll hit on that. And uh, from there, who knows? All right. Sounds awesome. I've, I'd like to thank you, uh, BSEC, uh, for the stream. Do you want the um, overlay on? Or I, I know you, you have your own kind of rotating overlays. Do you want the overlay off? Yeah, you can leave it off. All right. Let me pull that down. All right, everybody. Hey, be good, everyone. I hope to see all of you tonight at 7, uh, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time for Simply Cyber Live. Have a great day. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, stay secure. See you, Jerry. All right. Let's, uh, where are we at? I need one quick thing into here. Let's go ahead and pop over. I'm looking for... The link in here. There we go. All right, let's uh, pop over to Jawjacking and get started. All right, we've got Jawjacking up. I've got a whole bunch of different. Um, different things on here hopefully everybody can hear me here's the music let me know if the uh, sound is is not good and uh we'll continue to jump into this so first off let's talk real quick about i'm i'm, I'm assuming everybody can hear me hoping everything's good music's good every everything is good with the uh kind of waiting to see that if everybody says music and our audio is good um, so we've got, uh, that's, that's a different one. Let's talk about the, uh, DOT and let's talk about, um, the white house, um, tackling the Chinese threat to U S ports. So when it comes to this, uh, scenario, a lot of what they're talking about within this executive order, within this, uh, that's been given out by the uh, white house is over the next five years, they're going to pump a whole bunch of money into a lot of the ports around the United States to bring them up and to bolster their cybersecurity. One of the things I'd like to uh, to point out, though, is this industry is really far behind when the ports and, and so forth when it comes to when it comes to technology in itself. So it's great that they're pumping the money into it. It's great that they're looking to bolster that cybersecurity. But there's also a lot of things that go into what works with a port, right? And we saw, I think it was last year or the year before last, where we were taught, where we had seen that they were talking about uh, the United States and the the infrastructure at these ports and the cranes that are being brought in. So when I talk about a, a like a container crane, we're talking about stuff that looks like this. And each on if if you don't know. On these cranes, people climb up inside these cranes, they, they get inside these little uh, areas, and these cranes then drop down, like these are in the up position over here, but they drop down, and when they drop down, then they pull the containers off these ships. Now these containers, these ships can have up to 10,500, or actually they can have almost 21,000 um, if they were all uh, 20 foot containers. So you've got a 20 foot container and a 40 foot container, so they're mixed in there. So it's usually in between 10,000 and 20,000 containers per vessel, right? The vessel itself 
is coming in. They're talking about making sure that there isn't anything bad within the vessel, within the containers. But what they're also getting at is making sure that the ports themselves are secure. Now, a year, I think it was a year ago, like I said before, a year ago, they were talking about uh, these, these specific container cranes coming in from China and having back doors in them and them being able to use that. So they put a stop on bringing those type of that type of technology into uh into the united states and in this dark reading um one of the one of the individuals in here brings up some great points that i just wanted to, to throw out here that the attackers themselves aren't just looking to disrupt the critical infrastructure what they're looking to do is they're looking to weaponize it so if a bad actor were to come in and weapon weaponize the content and disrupt the operations that's a bigger point and that's the point i made to jerry when he told you guys earlier think about during covid what happened when the port of la got so far behind and this was just because of an issue this was just it, they were still running normally but because of we had covid we had all of these ships sitting out in the port of la that weren't able to come in and unload we were we had a, you know we had the trucker shortage and so forth so there are there's a massive uh issue when it comes to things like this if if you have ports that end up getting shut down now you have goods that cannot get to the places so this is a big one um and then they go in and talk about the cranes the threats that are embedded in cranes um let's see Real though they may be, they're less attainable to your average APT, which that's the bigger thing is that the, the cranes themselves are less of a threat, but there are there are threats when it comes to the actual platforms. And they talk about an actual platform, a logistics platform that's used by ports and how they interconnect to other platforms. So you you don't just have the port there, you also have all of the all of the logistics firms. So you've got like FedEx, you've got UPS, um, you've got all the bigger firms out there that are also connecting into those ports and grabbing that data or getting that data from them. So they know when a customer's uh, container is coming in or where it's at. And then you've got all, then you've got those customers also looking at that data. So if that all shut down, just think about the massive issues that you could, you can foresee of people not being able to see where their stuff's at. Um, one of the other things, so if we, if we were to go just a little bit further into this and talk about not just the ports and not just more of the federal stuff, but once you get internal, now you've got, um, trucks, the, the United States and the federal government has mandated that truck drivers use, uh, electronic logs. So truck drivers used to use their manual logs and they would write down how many hours they've been on. And depending on how many hours they've been on, they've gotta be a certain amount of hours off for resting and for safety, but they've moved to electronic logs. Now, what happens if those electronic logs go down or if the companies that, um, that run those electronic logs, if they get hit, now those electronic logs are down and now you've gotta have a, a backup plan. You've gotta have that business continuity plan for that. So you can move the, the federal mandate says that you can move off of those electronic logs. If there's an issue for seven days, once that seven days hits, then you've got to be back on them. So if you have a company that's running, not necessarily say it's transportation company, a, and they're 
using uh, Electronic Log Company A as well, and Electronic Log Company A goes down, now where are the electronic logs? If somebody gets pulled over and their electronic logs have been down for two weeks, three weeks, they've got a bigger issue going on. So then you've got stuff that can't be moved. So there's a lot to this. Um, it's good to see that the government is is taking heed and putting uh, putting money into it, um, having DHS go into it, having the uh, having the Coast Guard grab or having the Coast Guard help out and and be part of it. So it, it could be a uh, yeah, Ian Michael exactly the pa the toilet paper fiasco that that was it. Everybody running and got all the toilet paper and then all your toilet paper was sitting out in the middle of uh, sitting out in the middle of the uh, LA port. So that's what I got for you on that. Any questions around that, just throw them out um, when it pertains to that. But it, this is a bigger, uh, it's bigger than what's what's written down and put in here. Let's see, what else we got today? Um, I did want to pop over here. So uh, another story, the second story that I had actually I know we've we've talked about this. Um, I think this was talked about yesterday, the day before. Um, malicious emails and bypassing the security uh, email gateway securities. BEC emails are on the rise. They're massively on the rise. Um, I believe it's in it's in this reading. Hopefully, everybody can see that. Um, but we're we're seeing three hundred and thirty-one percent increase. And reports regarding QR codes that are being sent in. There's a lot of uh, BEC or phishing emails. They're interchangeable. And when I say BEC, I'm talking about business email compromise. That's one of the, one of if not the number one money grabber for uh, for threat actors. And they can also with those with those BECs on the rise. You're seeing. I think I read somewhere that you're seeing a lot of. Um, these messages come out of the out of like the China corridor or the east uh, the eastern corridor, where um, all of the messages themselves are pointing to sites that are grabbing um, they're grabbing username, passwords, tokens, and so forth. And what they're doing is they're trying to get a hold or a foothold within a corporation to be able to uh, to take over the corporation or just to sit and live off the land for a while and then use stuff on down the line. So one of the one of the big things that you should know if, if you're a uh, practitioner is make sure you are looking at how you can reduce BEC within your company for sure. All right, we've got, we got questions. Anybody questions? We got Ian Michael could Okay, so Ian Michael, where is this at? Ian Michael says, could the Coast Guard have boats used as mobile networks and encryption networks to assist in something like this in the future? Um, what the Coast Guard, from my understanding, what the Coast Guard is going to do in this situation is they're actually going to come in and, and kind of be a, uh, not necessarily a liaison, but be uh, somebody that comes in and kind of helps the companies out, goes in and makes sure that more more along the lines of like a consultant with these companies to make sure that their posture 
is up to par considering that a lot of these these ports are um governmental owned they're entities of the government um that is local government or federal government that's why dhs is is probably being tasked with doing this and that's why the coast guard's coming in to do that all right i saw something else bec is negated when we switch back to yeah brian pete there you go bec is negated when we when we uh switch back to pigeons and smoke signals that would be amazing if we did that let's see what else do we have in here uh e michael so e michael says so this is like a cyber task force um we'll have to see if it actually comes into something like that but i would it seems like that's more what it's going to be like like they're going to come in probably do some type of assessments and so forth and then turn around and go hey um this is what we need to bolster stuff up all right anthony p um he's saying he's a uh, first time first time here oh you didn't hear that the there we go um he says that it is his uh first time here and uh let's see what are some good what are some good sources to keep up keep it up to date with cybersecurity? um there are a ton of sources. You can go out to simplycyber.io, which is Jerry's website. He's got a whole bunch of sources there. I've got sources. Um, in fact, let me pull, let me pull it up. Uh, I've got sources out on GitHub that I use to, um, with a whole bunch of different uh, links to uh, podcast, web, Let's see, GitHub. Wait a second while I'm pulling this up. Oh. Multi-factor authentication. You gotta uh gotta use it because it wants me to log in with that. Let's see. Multi-factor on everything, right? I have to make sure we've got multi-factor all over the place. Uh, I've got a cybersecurity. Let me pull this up and drop this into chat. Here's the link that I've got. Within that link, we've got a whole bunch of, let me put this in here. I've got a whole bunch of different links in here. We've got the common passwords. I think this was from 2022. Um, we've got cyber maps. I've got uh, sections off of API security, um, cyber videos, how to learn Python, um, cyber podcast. So you can click in here and I've got a list of all the podcasts we've got. Um, I've got a list of news resources within here. Um, there's somewhere in here, yeah, Twitter feed. I guess I need to change this to X, but there's a there's a whole bunch of links in here for the Twitter feed and so forth. So there you go. That's a, that's a, a good place to start as well as uh, simplycyber.io. Oh, we'll see. What else? What questions we got? Um, Anthony, first time. Yeah, I got that one. MFA for life. That's right. Ian Michael, MFA for life. Oh, Kimberly can fix it. Dropped in my YouTube channel. The only thing you're going to find on there was uh, 
I did. I think I, the last thing I did on there was the try hack me um, stuff at uh, Christmas time. Let's see. Yes, um, I watched only a six to seven minute clip on her opening remarks. Okay. Oh, must be talking about Jen Easterly. Uh, links for days. It's all about the links. Got to head out. All right, Angular. Angular. Have a great day. Let's see. Uh, Becky Geller missed. Yeah, keep dropping those questions. Let's see. Be sick. Do you uh, have time? Um, I am not a spirit animal, nor do I have time to be a spirit animal. But you can reach out and I will help you out. <laughs> uh, no spirit animals here. Um, oh, AT&T. Let's, uh, I actually have this up. So I pulled up, um, let me switch back over here. AT&T, uh, so this is from New York Times. This is, this popped up a couple of minutes ago. AT&T currently is saying, let me see if I can zoom in here. See if y'all can see. Um, AT&T is currently saying, uh, that around 8 a.m., which I believe is 8 a.m. Eastern time, there are about 70,000 people. Um, they are saying, of course, it's uh, still in San Diego, Richmond, Miami. I believe they had in here Houston, Dallas, Los Angeles, some of the issues. As of right now, there's nothing being touted as to why this is happening. They are just saying that they are working urgently to restore the, the service. Um, and that they encourage everybody to use Wi-Fi calling until the service is restored. So right now we've we've got nothing new. Let's I guess we can we can ask it. Um, see if there's anything new on here. Um, everything I've read and heard also is that this is not not affecting any other carrier. It's only affecting AT and T. And the effects that were called in or described by other carrier users, like uh, Verizon, T-Mobile, <laughs> Mint Mobile, wh whatever mobile you have, um, were just contacting people within the AT&T realm. So if you were calling somebody from AT&T and you're using a Verizon phone and they're having a, the issue where they're at, it was actually because of the AT&T problem and not your problem. So if you are one that's on Verizon, and all your friends or family are on AT&T, you may be having issues. You're not the one having issues. They're the ones that are having issues from what, we're, what we currently see. Um, this is just an AT&T. I'm going to say that somebody probably went in and updated a BGP record in AT&T. We'll see what happens. It's always, it always ends up BGP. BGP or DNS. Oh, let's see what else we got. Michael Huskins saying DC Metro AT&T is down. I, yeah, I've seen some people that their AT&T is down. Um, that's Nightbot. I was about to read out Nightbot. I don't want not, I don't want to read out Nightbot. <laughs> exactly. We encourage you to use another network while ours is down. But once it comes back up, please make sure you come back to our network. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think there was an update somewhere. Yeah, if it, if it does end up, if tomorrow we come on in the morning 
and or Jerry comes on in the morning and we find out that it was a BGP problem, then what I want to hear from uh, I want to hear Jerry rip out this one. Not that not not the old Carl, but I want to hear this. Damn it, Carl! Because he took down everything. Since the AT and T down here in Georgia, so yeah, John Collier, every all over the place. Um, that's kind of what happens with BGP routing. If you go in and uh, change a route to somewhere, then guess what's going to happen? Things are going to go down. Unless you are 100% sure that what you're about to put in is going to work. So, let's see. I found on Twitter a post where people from all over the U.S. were eating, were stating they had outages. Yep. I mean, to me, this this does not. As of right now, it does not sound like there's like an attack. It sounds more like for it to happen at two o'clock in the morning. Um, I believe it was 3 a.m. Eastern time. For it to happen then, usually, so usually when it comes to IT networks and so forth, usually around that 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. window, that's usually when you're going to have network updates. And why do we do that? Because everybody's asleep for the most part. So for it to happen that during that time frame seems to me like somebody on the overnight crew was setting up to push out a new uh, new setting in BGP or something, and it was wrong. Now, the, the deal with BGP is it's what they call a very slow protocol. So it takes a while for that to happen. So when you see stuff, um, this kind of leads into other other outages like dns outages and so forth when you see somebody say that they're having issues on the east coast and then it slowly progresses and then they're having issues on the west coast more than likely that's a networking change because you have to have all of those routers and switches and layer three and all of that has to update when you hit that button everything doesn't just update there are timers in there that update things along the way so I will say this, I'm actually in the Houston area and right now I have no issues, but Houston was on the was on the map of saying that they were having problems. So right now, I don't see, I don't have any issues where I'm at. Third shift, there you go. Although it's third shift, Kimberly, it's actually uh more than likely the first shift guys just being in there earlier in the day. It's going to be your usually it's your senior guys that are in there doing these bigger updates mid to, to senior guys it's not going to be your overnight shift that's just there to monitor for the most part all right I'll give a, a quick update so everybody we are currently watching you're watching i'm not watching i'm actually being a part of uh the day beside the uh Daler cyber daily cyber threat brief um my name is Ben, aka DJ Busek. I'm in here for uh, Jerry today on a Thursday morning during the, so this jawjacking session while he headed off to uh, to go teach. I want to remind everybody today at 4 p.m. we have a fireside chat with Sandra Liu. And then tonight at 7 p.m. we want to go check out Jesse Johnson on Slay Security. We're there slaying Security Plus exam questions and studying all night long. Not all night long, about an hour, hour, and, hour 15, hour and 20 minutes. Um, let me see if I have a link to Slay Security. 
let's copy and paste that and put that in there so everybody can go go over and uh grab and subscribe to slay security and that way when jesse goes live you can see it because i don't think they actually put their uh they don't schedule everything although there is a schedule of thursdays i don't believe they actually schedule them live on there so when he goes live make sure you have that uh, notification up and boom it'll 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 prompt you and you can go check it out Let's see, what else do we got going on here? We're about 8.21, so we got about eight or nine more minutes. I do got to go get ready for a meeting. Um, is a network security? Look at Kim is trying to trying to make me sound like I'm amazing. I'm not amazing. I'm just I'm just a, a network security person. Don't put pro there. I'm no pro. But yes, feel free to drop any questions in here. And if we can't answer them, then you know what? We're going to look them up together and we'll find out. See if we can't figure out what it is. Let's see. I've got, while we're in a lull, while we're waiting for questions, I do have... So a couple of people have I've talked with... Um, have always asked how do I keep up with everything what's going on I actually have an RSS feed an RSS reader that I use let me pull this up show you guys so I use what's called Inno reader and it pulls in all of um, pulls in a whole bunch of different uh, links I think somebody earlier was asking about all the links and of course I have those links on um, on my github page but I also use this to get all of the up-to-date instant what's going on so this these rss feeds are coming in from dark reading from cso online um, info security magazine diff report all these so anything most of these sites that you see that have information on them or have the um are, are updating with new things you can put into here and get those so i get this stuff and right here you got tags you can tag things so i can tag these with hey i want to make sure that i, I bring these up. these are possible things to talk about during dog jack and i can tag it you can tag things within there um say for instance something comes up that might relate to the field that you're in or the company that you work for you can tag it that way you can bring that to your boss or bring that to the security team or bring that to you know like maybe there's something with the uh with the deep fake with the accounting group um, that lost $25 million. You can bring that up and say, hey, look, here's stuff. So this is a good way to, um, to, to pull that up. Josh is asking me if I'd make a blog about how to make the RSS feed. That may be a good idea. I may, may look at doing something like that. Maybe I'll write something up and drop it on, uh, on LinkedIn. It's a good idea, Josh. Um, let's see. Uh, when are you going to start streaming on Twitchy? Oh, Brian Peak must have uh, been one of the uh, one of the music people. So if everybody doesn't know, I actually used to stream on. Um, let's see. Let's make sure. Let's flip back over here. If everybody doesn't know, I actually used to stream on Twitch during COVID. Um, did a whole bunch of streams um, for music. Had lights going crazy. People could you could put in uh different commands and it would change my lights it would send fire trucks across here it'd have people dancing on my screen we had a whole bunch of fun um 
Brian, to answer your question, I was actually thinking about that last night. I changed my setup. You can kind of tell with the way my room is. I used to be farther back. I've changed my setup. Um, and I am... Maybe this weekend, I'm going to look and see how I can reset the board up so I can keep the area that I'm at now. But the, stay tuned. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm getting the itch back. But I've got a lot of stuff going on, but I am getting the itch back, so I can. I, so I, I may pull something out. We may do like a disco night or something. Maybe we'll do a, a, a simply cyber stream where everybody can shoot in some, some, uh, some requests, and then we can go play some. All right, what else? Um, how much time would it be? To, how much time would you have to to be my mentor in IT? I'm not sure if so Soulshine, I'm I'm wondering I'm thinking that you're saying how much time would it take for me to be a mentor in IT and if you're trying to be a mentor it's it's a, your time so you can mentor whomever you can bring those people on and mentor them the way that you want to mentor them however much time that you actually have to mentor of course don't uh don't burn yourself out by bringing a whole bunch of people. If you're asking me, I actually don't have time to mentor because I have so many things going on in the background. Um, let's see, you get paid. Oh, you pay for doing. Um, Infragard, what is it? Uh, Ion Q Infragard. Are you talking about the uh, FBI Infragard? I believe so. Infragard um, is done by the FBI. Every They've got different locations throughout the United States. You can go be a part of it. They send out newsletters and so forth. Um, I've, I've been part of it. They actually did have a, they had a breach two years ago, I think it was, and they had to reset everybody. But InfraGuard is part of the FBI and they send out um, information in, in your in your local area about what's going on. Let's see, what is a pro, if not someone to me, uh, question, do you like networking or security more? So Ian, Michael, I kind of answered this last week. Somebody asked me what, um, if I liked, uh, what was my favorite thing about networking? What was my favorite thing about security? Um, I am very much a what's going on in the minute. And right now security is the number one thing. Um, when it comes to networking, it's more of a set it and forget it for the most part, as long as you've got it set up correctly. You shouldn't have any issues. Security is constant. It's a constant grind all day, every day, especially when you've got users. Um, if you're dealing with users and you're going to work on your user secure, your user side and your training on the security on the network side, you want to make sure that the network's secure. You need to make sure that your servers are secure. So when it comes to security, it's all over, all the time, all day long. So that being said. For the most part, I'm more of, I, I like security more than networking when it all boils down to it. Uh, what do I think about Infragard? I think I answered that one. Uh, thank you for being awesome network security person. Well, thank you, Bridget, for, for bringing that out. Being an awesome network security person. Um, what is the GitHub link again? Are you, okay, let me see if I've, I think I closed it. Let me scroll back up here. I thought that's YouTube. Where's the GitHub? I should probably put it in. Um, 
No, that's all right. Let's, let's just uh, let me pull it back up. Here is the main link to the cybersecurity GitHub. So that will take you to a, to my top uh, top link, and then under there I've got folders and all types of different things within that link. So there's the, there's that link one more time. Um, yes, it's called Info Reader. So I'm not sure how I say, how you say a name. Sayuki Sayuki. It is Info Reader. Um, I'll pull it back up. At the top, it's called in or not info inno ino reader.com. Um, I think there's a free version where you can get you know a couple of different ones in there and then a paid version, which is it's not much. But for somebody that's trying to keep up with everything that's going on all day, every day, and make and stay ahead of the news and make sure that you're up to date, um, that way you don't have to bounce over to dark reading, you don't have to jump over to the registry security part, you don't have to get the hacker news you don't have to have all these sites up you can just have this one up and it's it's a feed it's just coming everything is coming in there um and you can see on the side you i mean i put different ones in here so that's the security one i've got the us cert so we've got alerts from uh us cert cisa we can pull those up and it pulls up those instantly you can see what's going on there in fact i don't know why cisa is not underneath there So yeah, this is, I found this a couple years ago, started pulling it all in. It's a, uh, a great, great spot to, to create your own little uh, RSS repo with everything in there. All right, we are at 8.30. We're gonna wrap this up. I want to uh, give one shout, one, another shout out to Jesse and slay security don't forget that tonight at 7 p.m eastern time uh go check him out um and come back here today at 4 p.m eastern for the fireside chat with jerry and sandra lou um what else do we have what else do we have to wrap up here um i think that's it we don't have any other questions hopefully we will see everybody tomorrow morning and hopefully we'll end the week really well and not have a whole bunch of cves pop up tomorrow that would not be great um but for jerry i am bsec and for this the daily cyber threat brief that is jaw jacket for today and i will see everybody tomorrow morning I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.